Hello, listeners, and welcome back to PwC's Leap Network How to Empower podcast, and another episode which I hope is going to uplift you, inspire you, and challenge you for whatever is ahead of you today. As always, this podcast offers practical advice on how you can empower yourself and others to take action and drive change for a more inclusive workplace. Social enterprises are businesses that are changing the world for the better. Like traditional businesses, they aim to make a profit, but reinvest or donate this to create positive social change. They create jobs and opportunities for those most marginalized from the workforce, transform their communities they work in, and make the sustainable development goals a reality. According to Social Enterprise UK, there are over 100,000 social enterprises throughout the country, contributing 60 billion to the economy and employing 2 million people. So I'm delighted to be joined today in our virtual studio by Rachel Bryant, founder of Get Synergized, Jerry During, CEO and co-founder of Money A&E, and David Adair, head of community engagement at PwC, all who will be sharing more about their own experiences in this area. And thank you all so much for joining us today. Rachel, can you tell us a bit about Get Synergized and why you feel it's so important to create opportunities for business, charitable and public sectors to collaborate for social impact? Uh, hi, Chris. Thank you uh, so much for inviting me to be along with you today. It's great to be here with everyone else. Uh, yeah, so let me take you back to, I guess, December 2017. I was working for a charity back then and I'd been there for about nine years and I just felt it was time for change. So I left that job. Uh, travelled to Australia, uh, which is very nice, uh, visiting family uh, for two and a half months. And um, it was there I had a little bit of a light bulb moment that I wanted to set up my own consultancy business. And I guess that was reflecting back on 20 years of experience working with the vulnerable and marginalising communities and my passion uh, to connect and empower people, see business as a force for good and to help solve some of our issues in society uh, that we see today. And that's where Get Synergized was founded. And it's through my consultancy that I do presentations, training workshops, um, project management, audits, strategic thinking. And, and I do that all with a mission to inspire the business, charitable and public sectors to collaborate, to drive social change. Um, so that's that's where it began. Why is it important? Oh, gosh, there's so many reasons. Um, but I would say for, for me, um, I believe together we are a powerful catalyst for change. I think communities need us to work collaboratively together. Consumers expect businesses to be more socially aware. Employers want and work for companies that care. And because my motivation is that people matter. And I think now never more than ever, have we seen that during COVID? And I uh, think it's important that we care for each other. So that's me. That's uh, why I set up my business and why I think it's important. Uh, Jerry, well, what led you to found Money and E and, and why is it so important to you? Hi. Yeah, Chris. Um, so Money and E stands for Money, Accident and Emergency. No, not not really. That's meant to be where the laugh <laughs> comes in and I say, actually, no. It stands for Advice and Education um and 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 we basically do sort of money advice uh in sort of debt welfare benefits uh housing debt and giving people money guidance on how to achieve money goals and how to deal with debt and then we also do um education programs which are kind of Ofsted recognized kind of like a GCSE level level 2 uh, and we do that with six formers with people in the community who are looking for work um 
and uh, those who are often faced in sort of financial challenges as well. So um, that's kind of what Money Any does. And we really work with diverse ethnic communities. Um, uh, so I'm sort of um, a black African male and um, uh, we work with diverse ethnic communities, lots of disadvantaged communities, so people who have some form of social barrier that prevents them from accessing sort of mainstream services, and we work with young people. And, and, and one of the big motivations for starting Money Any was the fact that lots of people who looked like me and our other co-founder, Greg, who is um, of Black uh, Caribbean uh, ethnicity, uh, we kind of looked around and realised that people who looked like us a lot of the time weren't coming into uh, sort of money advice services. And I should say that I used to work at Toynbee Hall. Um, I helped set up their debt advice service. Um, and I'd worked in a number of CABs on legal aid contracts in the past as well. And, and through that work, we'd realised that people who kind of look like myself, people from black ethnic minorities, but lots of minority ethnic groups, weren't necessarily coming through the doors. And we wanted to know what the reason was. It wasn't that they weren't in there. It was just that they weren't seeking it. So um, that was one of the main things that kind of started us whilst working in that area at Toynbee Hall, another charity there, helping people deal with debt. And we wanted to try and find ways for them to access it. We, we basically have kind of mentor programs where people in, in workplaces, in communities, in uh, families, basically mentor people um, through the debt problems. And, and these mentors are people who've been through debt themselves. So it's not just someone talking from an outside perspective. It's someone who's got that real lived experience. Um, and then also we do the kind of expert advice side of things, make sure everyone's trained up to give that stuff as well. And, and those are the big motivators and those are the things that really run through all of the services that we provide at Money A&E. Um, and yeah, I've had other experiences of debt as well, my own, my own self personally, in terms of like redundancy as well, and uh, having to find a way to kind of support myself through those dark periods. So yeah, those, those were some of the big kind of motivating factors. My dad's story, my own personal experiences, and seeing lots of people who were like us in our friendship groups, in our peer groups, not coming in and getting the support that they needed and, and wondering why that was and how we could we could help support them. I, I can imagine it's, it's extremely scary going into debt, right? And then having, having someone, like you said, who's got that lived experience to talk you through mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. see them come through the other side and, and have that mentorship go through that themselves. I, I can imagine that that's invaluable. Um, yeah. I guess it's a quick a quick question. When you see perhaps young people and you engage with them, do you see any sort of common, uh, you know, I guess there's lots and lots, but there are sort of really core key common challenges that they often ask you or come to you when they first come through the doors at A&E? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, so we're working really in a number of comprehensive schools that are in some of the poorest kind of pockets and wards of, of the UK. Uh, we're working in London, which has got such a high uh, kind of proportion of rich and poor living together. And a lot of the uh, comprehensive schools, the kids are, you know, they're kind of living in families that are, are living below the poverty line. And um, something that that comes up from a lot of them is just that, they really you know they get 
they get some information about, you know, uh, through maths or English or PSHE about, you know, about about things to do with finances. But what they really are always asking about is, you know, they want the real understanding of the, the, the important skills they need to, to kind of live and deal with money. Most of these young people, it's their parents who have provided most things for them. And they're getting to a stage where they're either going to be going to university or they're going into employment. And they just don't understand this kind of really complex world of money and credit and jargon and APR. And also in terms of things like whether they get student loans or whether they're getting their first sort of paycheck check from their Saturday or part-time job. They're just not sure of where the priorities are to kind of spend that money and how to move towards the kinds of lifestyles and things that they want for themselves so those questions come up all the time and it seems like what they get taught in school just isn't really sufficient for this really kind of key life skill that they that they need you know they don't understand things like APR budgeting is like you know they've got no clue as to what it means or to grapple with the actual practicality of that so some of these really key basic skills are some of the things that they're not receiving in their education at that point in time and really need to kind of um, learn some what those key living skills really um, so those are some of the there's lots of questions that come up around those key living skills for finances and also trying to get into work as well you know a lot of them uh, they come from backgrounds where they won't necessarily uh, be uh, they won't have the employability skills or know how to in, in navigate kind of the, the the world of how to get sort of certain types of jobs. And they often uh, will, will kind of discount themselves from that. So, yeah, questions come up all the time around employability and, and those kind of financial, personal finance living skills as well. Yeah, and I, I, I completely agree with, with everything you've said. I remember when I left school and I was going to university, I had a job and you get your first paycheck and you get a student loan coming through and you're thinking, oh God, you know, I, now I've got all this money, I can do this, that, the other, I can buy this, that and the other. And, and actually having someone sit down and talk you through, you know, how best to save up for that rainy day, how best to budget throughout your week. Um, that would have been really, really, really helpful at that point. And um, I, I certainly agree. There's, it's, it's quite difficult to, to find that, and you know, it's fantastic the money in it, money in it, and it exists. And I'm, I'm, I'm certainly a huge advocate for it. Um, Thanks, Chris. D David, I mean, I think we touched upon it earlier. I mean, this year has been a year like no other, right? And that's just to say the least. Um, what, what have we been doing at PwC to engage with social enterprises? Well, hi, Chris. Yeah, I, I think Jerry summed up really well the needs uh, of, of social enterprises and actually the beneficiaries that, that, that they support. Mm -hmm. And I think corporates are very well placed uh, with a highly skilled workforce to share those skills. Over 40% of our volunteering is skills based. And what was really impressive and um, empowering was uh, through the COVID um, pandemic, staff really stepped up and came forward wanting to share their skills. We were able to work quite quickly and put a lot of our volunteering online uh, virtually. So we had our virtual employers toolkit. And we also uh, really stepped up the number of masterclasses that we ran with social enterprises, um, supporting over 350 across the UK. But I, th I think it's having that skilled workforce 
but also that can learn from the innovation and passion that you've heard from both Rachel and Jerry so far, uh, really brings it home to people at PwC who on the whole are very privileged and are very lucky, uh, but they want to and then yearn to kind of share their experience and help others. Uh, what are the sort of key skills, David, that we're sharing with, with social enterprises? Um, and, and also, I guess, what are, what are some of the key learnings that you've seen over the last year? Well, I, I think it's a two-way street. I mean, um, our people get a lot of technical training, but not so much of the softer skills, such as putting mm -hmm. yourself in other people's shoes, innovation. Uh, but we share a lot uh, really around business acumen uh, and networking. Uh, people at PwC are very well networked. Uh, social entrepreneurs tend to be isolated, often working on their own, uh, need a bit of support, need to be introduced to networks. And that's something that PwC people can open doors uh, by sharing their networks and also helping them with skills development. So we shared quite a lot of our own digital training um, that, that we have and also the support around mental health and well-being that we've been able to share uh, with our social entrepreneurs to help them. And uh, I, I received my, my chocolate bar in the post the other day. So um, I think PPWC sent around bars of chocolate and, and instructions to uh, join the, the Headspace app for all of our employees, which is which is lovely. And that was, I think the chocolate was from a social enterprise. If, if, if it, it was indeed Harry Spectres who support uh, young people who train young people with autism. But it's a very key point actually, because the main way we can support social enterprises is by buying from them, buying social. We spend over 1.2 million uh, with social enterprises at PwC and we're looking to increase that. So getting them onto our supply chain, and it doesn't have to be people that make a product like chocolate, it could be people that train and enthuse people like Rachel, or people that offer advice uh, like Money A&E. So we're, we look at, we're always looking at ways to increase um, how we can have more social enterprises on our supply chain. I guess following on from, from the, I guess the, the COVID this year and then the the crazy year that we've had. Uh, Rachel's, what, 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 what differences have you seen this year? Uh, how long is a piece of string? <laughs> um, gosh, so much. I think, I think when I, you know, set out two and a half years ago to, to encourage the, the sectors to collaborate, to, to drive social change and to leverage resource, I mean, gosh, we've never seen it now more than ever. Uh, looking at sharing resources, as David shared, of what PwC has done to to really give back, and I, I think I think I've seen uh, small acts of kindness, a real sense of community, uh, people sort of stepping in, saying, "Where can I help?" We're seeing businesses responding really innovatively, and everybody responding really quickly, and all the sectors, charitable, business, public, working together. I mean, I've been doing some work in Cambridge where uh, the government gave a directive for all rough sleepers to be housed in uh, accommodation. I mean, that was a huge task to undertake. And I was part of coordinating the food operation for 150 rough sleepers to go into that accommodation in Cambridge. And it, it called on us to work together. We had to. Um, and I guess I've just seen that real sense of, yeah, let's do this. Let, let's respond. Um, and I think, yeah, let's not lose sight of what we've seen or forget that. Um, and I think the other thing probably um, that's really highlighted is the issues in society, the ingrained social issues have just been catapulted to the fore. Mental health, inequality, unemployment, climate change, the digital divide, uh, mental health, homelessness, loneliness, isolation, domestic abuse. They've all just been pivoted to the front. Suddenly we're all on the same, in the same playing field. We're all on the same page, I guess. And 
I guess for me, I never thought that those issues from society were disconnected from business. I always thought they were intrinsically linked anyway, because ultimately it's all about people. So for me, I think we're starting to realise that actually we're all struggling and we're all having a difficult time. And actually, how do we look at this and how do we move forward? I guess they're some of my things I've spotted and seen. You know, and I'm with you on that. We, we touched upon it in a, in a previous podcast episode where I think one of our um, our guests mentioned that within lockdown, I guess everyone's had a bit more time to, to really experience and, and, and spend more time thinking about some of the issues that we're all facing as we're all mm. in together. Um, and one thing I've personally seen quite a lot of is, is people getting behind their local and getting others to try uh-huh. and get behind their, their local and communities, shops, whatever, and, and sort of bring each other together. So it's really interesting to you say that. I've, I've certainly seen that myself. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah, definitely the local piece. I think that's where you can probably enact quite quick change because yeah. you're there and you can feel connected to it. Um, I often encourage businesses to think locally initially when they're looking to develop partnerships, but also um, wider than that as well. But, you know, local is so important. David, what differences have you seen this year? Yeah, I think it's absolutely right what Rachel said. We found a a lot more staff wanting to support their local communities, be it through food banks or supporting the NHS locally or local hospices, and that's something that we've taken on board. Um, But I do think that the collaborative approach that Rachel mentioned is going to be the way forward uh, linked to that local support. And and, and Gerry, I guess, you know, I hate this term, but you hear so many uncertain times, (laughs) unprecedented times, um, and, you know, with the, I guess, so much uncertainty, I, I imagine there's more never demand on, on young people to really get money smart. Uh, it just be interesting to see what differences you've seen since, uh, I guess, we've gone into lockdown and we've had the COVID pandemic. Yeah, Chris, there's there's been a lot, to be honest. Um, we're, we're based in Newham, which is in East London, and it's one of the poorest and most ethnically diverse boroughs in the country. Um, and we also experienced, I think it was sort of back in April, May, the highest level of deaths due to COVID at the time as well, where the Nightingale um, Hospital was also based. Um, so we've seen a massive increase in demand for our services. So this has not only been a kind of health crisis, but it's also, as we're all seeing now, become an economic crisis. And, and we've seen so much demand come through our doors uh, lots of people have been suffering from a number of different things. Lots of people have sort of lots of anxiety, mental health challenges due to the kind of uncertainty that the lockdown has caused for them. Um, there were sort of um, Office of National Statistics figures showing that nearly half of us were basically suffering from anxiety or some form of mental health challenge linked to the lockdown and COVID. Um, lots of people were made redundant and lost their jobs. Um, we saw sort of between April and May, sort of at the end of that quarter, um, a drop of nearly, there was basically about 2 million people who were basically unemployed or had been made redundant as a result of um, challenges uh, to business, uh, people losing their jobs. Um, And I think also because it's an area that's got lots of migrants as well, We've seen lots of people who had no recourse to public funds who had lost their jobs. Maybe they were here on a on a work work visa and they'd lost their jobs and and, and they were struggling essentially to access benefits to get sort of um, out of work benefits. Uh, So they literally had 
no money basically they had a massive loss to to their incomes so you know all of these challenges were were being faced by individuals we saw and it was affecting uh the young people as well you know the the young people in these families uh, in schools as well so a lot of the young people uh couldn't go to school had to kind of move into online learning and a lot of them kind of regressed and their education uh, suffered as a result as well. So, you know, they ha they've had to do a lot of catch up now with a lot of the young people. So these were some of the problems we would see people facing, essentially, that kind of mental health challenge, the lost jobs, the no access to the public funds, and um, this kind of need to catch up in education or for the older people, kind of reskilling for new types of jobs or new types of employment. Um, so these are some of the big problems that we were seeing, and um, I think we really needed to look at ways of trying to support people to address this. Uh, we had a three times increase in demand for our services. We also started a fundraiser where we were giving out um, small grants to some of these families who were really struggling to, to to make ends meet or to pay the bills you know day-to-day -day bills we were giving out small sort of 200 and pound 250 pound grants just to help people get through and also helping them access sort of food banks and food parcels as well uh, working in partnership with some other charities and and some corporates as well um so so yeah it, it's been a really big issue and uh, it's times like this where we've got so many people suffering that um, they needed more kind of support from people who've been through those problems, who can mentor them and support them. And, and that's something that we do as well. We kind of really train up our communities, our service users uh, to support other people who've been through that kind of financial crisis. Uh, and, and Jerry, look, I appreciate there are a million issues and, you know, it, it's been such a, a challenging year. But I guess as we look to wrap up the, the, this episode, what's the one message you'd like all our listeners to think about and remember? I think that there is always light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I think the whole thing about sort of, you know, David mentioned uh, sort of the mentoring support uh from i think reaching out to different groups that can support and mentor looking at that kind of lived experience i think uh, people need to reach out speak up and try and get support from those that are willing to help you know david's talked about all the great work that pwc are doing in this space as well and you've got rachel as well and her organization doing a lot of stuff that can support them so i think people should really try to reach out to agencies like uh, synergize money amy also you know pwc um and really try to to ask for the help that they need don't suffer in silence reach out and try and get some support there are agencies like us out there that are willing to support and rachel same question to you and and again look i, I appreciate that there's probably lots of messages you, you want to get across but if there's one in particular that you would like our listeners to take away from today what is that key message i think i think it starts with us i really do and i think we need to listeners we whoever's here um yeah just just listening in today i think we need to think about what part can we play uh whether that be personally or professionally through our work what what difference could we personally make where could we 
add value and I think it starts with us and I think if we all have that attitude where we can look at ourselves first and say where can I contribute I think that's that's really important I, I kind of was reminded um, as I was thinking about doing this podcast you know there's the story of the young lad with the starfish that he chucks into the float throws into the sea do you know the one no I don't so there's a young lad and he's on the beach and this old chap comes along and he says to him what are you doing and he says oh I'm just throwing all the starfish back into the sea of course doesn't want them to drive out dry out on the land um, on the the shore and the guy says to him well you know you can't possibly make a difference there's so many starfish and the little boy throws the starfish back in and he said but it made a difference to that one and I think there's that sense where I'm motivated through my work to make a difference if I can use anything that I've got to help somebody else um, to thrive um, then that's what I'd do. So that's what I'd encourage people to do is to think about what small difference can you make because it will make a difference. I, I, I love that message and we've heard it through the, the podcast and I think we, we covered what, what one of the key takeaways I took when we had an episode about empowering the, the diversity and inclusion agenda as a whole was it, it, it's not, uh, you know, it, it, it starts with one and yeah. everyone needs to, um, you know, think about what they can do to, to help drive this forward. Um, and then naturally more will follow and, and, and that's how you sort of build it up. It, it starts with, with something and like I said, yeah. do what you can personally to, to make a difference. Absolutely. Know. Absolutely. Well, there you go. That's been echoed twice. So maybe there really is something there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and David, um, you know, what, what, what message would you like for our listeners to take away and remember? Well, I'm going to echo it again and it would be <laughs> to get involved. I think people often underestimate the skills that they have and, and think, well, what, what can I give? Well, you can listen for starters. People love to, to have a listening ear. You can share uh, your experiences. Also, you can gain from life experiences of people like Jerry and Rachel. So I would say get involved. I would also say buy social, uh, particularly in the hospitality industry and a little plug for Brigade, our own social enterprise that train those at risk of homelessness. They're struggling through through this the current uh, situation. So uh, when we can all get back to a little bit of normal go out and spend your money with social enterprises and what a fantastic uh, challenge for our listeners is, is to really uh, i'd urge you to take away from today is thinking about that one thing that you can start doing to drive societal change but but that that draws us to a close of another episode of, of how to empower and it's just been a fantastic conversation and thank you so much rachel jerry and david for joining us and, and for all of your time today i've really really enjoyed the conversation To you, our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And again, we always love to hear from you. And please, please do get in touch. You can do so using the hashtag PWC underscore leap um, or by rating, commenting, subscribing uh, to wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, Again, we'd love to hear from you. Please, please do get in touch. Um, But again, thank you so much. See you next time. (music) 